Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One day while I was working as a park ranger in the Gila National Forest, I received a report of a possible Bigfoot sighting in the area where the couple had camped. I decided to investigate. I arrived at the location and met with a couple who were still shaken up by their experience. They told me about the tree knock they had heard and how they had felt uneasy for the rest of the night. I listened intently and asked them to show me exactly where they had camped and where they had heard the noise. 
As we walked through the woods, I noticed that the area had thick vegetation and a lot of animal tracks, but there were no signs of any recent human activity. We reached the spot where they'd camped, and I examined the area for any unusual signs. I noticed a few broken branches and small footprints that could have belonged to a bear or a large animal, but nothing conclusive. I decided to stay in the area overnight to see if I could observe anything unusual. As night fell, I set up a camera and sat quietly listening for any noises. The woods were quiet, with only the occasional hoot of an owl or rustling of leaves. As I sat there, I thought about the stories I had heard of Bigfoot sightings and wondered if there was any truth to them. Suddenly, I heard a loud crashing noise in the distance, followed by a series of deep, guttural grunts. I quickly grabbed my flashlight and camera and started to make my way towards the noise. As I approached, I could see a large, dark figure moving through the trees. I tried to get closer, but the figure quickly disappeared into the underbrush. The next morning, I examined the footage from my camera and was surprised to see a blurry figure moving through the trees. While it wasn't conclusive evidence of Bigfoot, it did leave me with more questions than answers. I returned to the couple and showed them the footage, and they were amazed and frightened at the same time. In the end, I couldn't say for sure what the couple had experienced, but I did know that there was something strange going on in the Gala National Forest. Growing up, I had always been captivated by the strange and mysterious stories my family would share during gatherings. One story in particular that my grandfather would often tell was about an eerie encounter my great-grandfather had many years ago. My great-grandfather used to ride a tonga, a horse-drawn carriage, for his daily commute. One evening, as he was passing through a dense forest, he noticed a beautiful kid, baby goat, standing all alone by the side of the road. Its innocent appearance tugged at his heartstrings, and he decided to take it home and adopt it, thinking that it was abandoned. He stopped the tonga, got down, and gently picked up the little goat. As he settled back into the carriage with the kid in his arms, the horse suddenly began to freak out, as if it sensed something unnatural. Confused and concerned, my great-grandfather looked down at the baby goat, only to find that it had grown abnormally large legs, disproportionate even for a full-grown goat. Fear coursed through him, and he hastily threw the creature out of the carriage, urging the horse to bolt away from the spot as fast as it could. He never looked back, and the chilling encounter remained a mystery that haunted him for the rest of his life. What's interesting is that both my great-grandfather's experience and the story of the faceless creature I'd encountered seem to share a common thread, the interaction with another worldly being that revealed its true nature, as if to remind us that there are things in this world that we may never fully comprehend. In both instances, there was a moment of realization that what we initially believed to be a harmless, familiar sight was actually something far more sinister and unknown. It's a stark reminder that there's a thin line between the world we know and the mysteries that lurk just beyond our understanding. And sometimes, when we least expect it, we may catch a glimpse of the inexplicable My parents live on an island that is about 50 years behind in every conceivable way. 
but they like being on the water so fine. For a couple of years after college, I lived with them. I admit that even though it was the ass end of nowhere, it could be incredibly beautiful. I miss the stars. One night a neighbor around the corner asked if I could keep an eye on her kids. I was there a couple of hours and then I walked home. It wasn't far. A straight shot is maybe 500 feet. But I stepped onto the gravel road and it was like everything just got swallowed by black. No lights across the water. No stars, no moon. I got lost. 500 feet from my door and I couldn't figure out where I was walking. I really don't know what happened. It wasn't foggy, definitely overcast. This was a small neighborhood with nothing around it, but the few houses were pretty densely packed together. In the spring, summer, fall people generally don't put house lights on because they attract the shit ton of insects that exist purely to invade your house. So that didn't help either. Eventually, I bumped into the fence. Our neighbor across the street headed to the front of his driveway, and I just sort of fumbled my way home from there. I grew up in Ohio, but decided to go to Colorado for college. For the first two summers of undergrad, I would come home for the summer. My dad would fly out from Ohio, and he and I would drive my car home together from Colorado. We'd usually camp in KOA, Campgrounds of America, campgrounds along the way, which are usually very crowded. One night we were tired from driving and decided to stay at a Coa in Lawrence, Kansas. For whatever reason, there weren't a ton of people, especially in the section where tents were allowed. The section where you could put up tents backed up to a chain-link fence that was about eight feet high, and on the other side of the fence was cornfields for a ways. We set up our tent and went to grab some dinner, then came back to the campground, each had a beer, and then went to sleep. Sometime much later that night, I woke up and had to pee. I put on my shoes and found my flashlight. I unzipped the tent and made my way to the bathhouse. On the way back from the bathhouse, I heard a weird sound coming towards me at an alarming speed. By the time I could piece together that the sound was someone running, a man in a hoodie ran in front of my path, about five feet from me. Me at a sprint, scaled the chain-link fence and ran out into the cornfield in the darkness. I suddenly felt like I couldn't breathe, and then it occurred to me that I'd better book it back to the tent at ASAP. I checked my watch, and it was around 3.30 a.m. I did everything I could to convince myself that his was just some drunk kid messing around in the campground so that I could get back to sleep. It probably was just that, but I've still never seen anyone scale a fence so quickly to this day. It was unreal. My dad used to take long walks on the roads around our house with his dog. Most everything is thick, deciduous forest with open, hilly farmland in between. Some areas of the forest were planned subdivisions, but the projects were abandoned, never started, so there are many old gravel dirt roads cutting through the brush. The most hidden dirt roads started about a mile from our house, ran through very thick woods and popped out about half a mile on the other side. My dad, walking his dog at night, sees a figure at the entrance to the road. It was what looked like a man, shirtless and with no light. He snapped a picture of the man standing there, looking straight at him. The camera flash turned his eyes bright red. 
Sometime later, we ventured back down the road, and there was a little living area halfway down. There was a little bit of food, a raised bed built into a tree, and some stuffed animals lying around. It was probably just a homeless man living there, but it still scared the hell out of me. I was in Missouri visiting my grandparents one summer, and we decided to go camping about a week before I left for home. It's been so long that I can't quite remember where it is we camped, but I do remember that we went there because it was known for Bigfoot sightings. So the first day was uneventful. We toasted marshmallows and whatever. Everything was normal. The next day, my friend John and my cousin Kevin wanted to explore nearby, and our parents let us go. While we were out there, we found a deer carcass next to the creek. Its head looked like it had been ripped off and thrown to the side, and its back half was nowhere to be found. I said it must have been a bear, that it was probably far gone by then, but Kevin and John were still pretty shook up, so they went back. I continued on for about three or four hours, and that's when I saw a storm heading in. I rushed back, ate real quick, and then we all went to sleep like normal. We had left out our dog Roscoe tied to a tree with a tarp as a tent. I know that sounds bad, but it was completely dry inside. I don't know what time it was, but it was at least midnight when he started barking. My grandpa went out to calm him down, and I went with him. When we got over there, we saw that he had chewed off his leash, and he was barking out into the woods. But neither of us could see what since it was pitch black. We both shrugged it off, thinking it was just some rodent or a raccoon or something, and we went back to sleep. An hour or so later, we heard tearing and yelping and a roar so loud that I actually fell down while I was getting out of bed. When I got up, I found my grandpa by Roscoe's tent, which was shredded, and there was blood on the ground. I ran back to the tent, grabbed a flashlight, and ran into the forest after him, which now, thinking back, was a really bad idea. I followed a path of broken branches and blood back to the creek where we had found the deer. When I heard another roar, I dropped my flashlight to cover my ears, and it shined right across the water and onto two feet. They looked like human feet, except bigger, and they were completely covered in black hair like a shag rug. I picked the flashlight back up and shined it higher, but it had started running away already and it was fast, faster than I had ever seen anyone run. But I did see its back and the back of its head and legs. It must have been at least eight feet tall, and its shoulders were about two times the width of mine. It was absolutely huge. I probably sat by that creek for an hour, just contemplating what I had seen. And I never did find my dog. The only possibility is that that thing killed him. I haven't been in those woods since, and I always carry a knife and bring a rifle with me when I do go camping. Bigfoot killed my dog last time. It's not going to take a person next time. So I was once awake at 5 a.m. getting ready for a trip to another city with people in my class. I happened to wander around the kitchen window that sees the street and saw a woman that looked kind of odd. Odd as in, she had very messy long hair around her elbows, and she walked like she had been hurt, limping and holding her stomach. She didn't seem to be in any trouble, and she was walking this really big dog. 
I didn't really think much of it. I hadn't seen her face, just caught a glimpse as she walked away with her dog. In half an hour or so, I saw her again, without the dog this time. What's odd is she was walking the same path, but not walking back, just walking the exact same way as before, and now the dog was gone. I tried to make sense of the situation as where the dog went and why the woman happened to take a full turn to head the exact same direction, now alone. Her odd way of walking was the same, and she still held her belly. I didn't get to see her face and caught her after she got past my view range once again. A few weeks passed, maybe even a month or two. Sometimes I mentioned her and talked about how old that was and discussed what she might have been doing. One day I saw her again, very close to a time I had just randomly talked about her. Could have been the same day, or maybe the day after. She didn't have the dog, but she wore the exact same clothes and walked slowly, holding her belly. And I once again caught her passing the street, not able to see her face, but only the messy hair. Not to mention the hour was quite late again and the streets were empty. Now, I, I found it really odd I came across this woman three times in a row walking the same direction, and not once I caught a glimpse of her face. I always happened to be looking out from the kitchen window during late hours as well. Our neighborhood is small, and we mostly know who has a dog as people walk them around regularly. I lived here all my life, never once saw this woman, just three times in a row in span of a few months or so. If anyone has a theory what she might have been up to, especially the day she walked up the street twice with and without the dog, I'd really like to hear it. Okay, this was really creepy to me, but I could have just been sleep deprived at the time. So it was 2 a.m., I was down in the kitchen making food, when all of a sudden, I hear this really strange noise. I don't know how else to describe it besides a mix of the Roblox Uff sound effect and my dog barking. My dogs were upstairs. It came from outside. I'm pretty sure outside my window near on the porch. After I went upstairs, I was telling my friend about it. He tells me, dude, that might have been a windigo. They make weird, familiar sounds to try and lure people into the woods. If they mark you, they'll sneak into your house and try and watch you sleep. Now you might think that's just him trying to scare me, right? Well, a few nights after, I was going to the bathroom, and when I stepped out of the bathroom and turned the hall lights off, I glanced down the stairs and saw this really thin white figure. Now, naturally, I just avoided eye contact and booked it to my room. A few nights later, I was downstairs and shutting off the lights to go back upstairs, when out of the corner of my eye, I saw a white figure appear in my living room as I shut the light out. Now I swear I'm hearing scratching outside my door from time to time. It's not quick like my dogs, it's a kind of slow scratch. I grew up in a semi-rural area, but the backside of our property was a large seven acres, triangle of woods with no one living back that way. One night my sister and I had went outside to bring our rabbits some leftover salad scraps, and the hutch was probably ten feet from the house. 
The entire time we're out there, I hear very clear, heavy, constant breathing, like something very large was just sitting inside our fence. Where we were was lit enough to see that there was nothing there, but the breathing was constant, and I didn't hear it anymore once we went back inside. I didn't tell my sister, but she didn't say she heard anything either. I drive from Denver to Sioux Falls, South Dakota, back in my college days. One night somewhere just north of Valentine, Nebraska, I seen this craft-type triangle thing 30 feet on each side with lights on each tip. I slowed down to 20 on the highway and stared at it. It was 50-ish feet from the road, but up in the air, 200 feet. It made almost no noise except for a low hum. Then it took off. Strangest thing I've ever seen and can't explain. A couple of friends and I were camping around Camp Verde, Arizona, years ago. Clear Creek, I think. Of course, we decided to eat a bunch of shrooms the first night. Because why not? The stars were amazing. So we are all stumbling around about midnight or so along the edge of the creek, having a great time, not very far from our sight, and I ran back to grab my camera. For some reason, I decided to shine my light across the creek, and sitting right there was a big-ass cougar, reflective cat eyes and all. I didn't think much of it, knew it probably wasn't going to bother us, and continued on to grab my camera. I get back, and all I hear is screaming, like little girls screaming, and here comes my friend running and tripping every few feet, screaming his ass off, and just start packing all his shit. Took about ten minutes for him to even be calm enough to tell me what the F happened. He saw the big cat across the creek. I proceed to laugh for the next twenty minutes or so. I was crying, peeking on those magical things about then. My pop, mom's dad, owned a 900 or so hectare property in some mountains near to my hometown. Really cool place filled with creeks, streams, and a lot of 4x4 four four tracks. He recently sold it, but we used to go up there pretty frequently and stayed in a hut. Anyway, one day while staying there, we took a trip to just outside of his property to the remains of this old house. It was completely abandoned. Parts of the floor had caved in, and I think bits of the roof were missing. What was weird, though, was that their cupboards were still full of food. There was a bottle of wine on the table and some beans, I think, on a bench. He explained that the father of the family was crushed by a tree in some sort of logging accident, and they moved out about 40 years ago. It was just so weird that they left all their food there. Two. Similar to the fire watcher seeing the light, I once saw something similar while camping. There was this light that just hovered in the air for hours, sometimes moving up or down or side to side, but never really going anywhere until it disappeared. I googled it frantically when I got home, and apparently flares from planes can hover like that in the wind. I don't understand how, and it was extremely creepy. Bonus weird thing. Another place very close to the outside of my pop's property was an abandoned school that had been ran by a commune of hippies that lived nearby. Huh, schools aren't weird. I hear you say, well, they are when they're built at the end of an open field with no roads anywhere nearby. Not even dirt. 
Just a random school with a steel fence around it. Had about two or three classrooms, I think, from memory. One day I want to go back there, but it is private property, and I, I doubt I'd find it again with how huge the area is. I grew up in a pretty boring town that does not have much stuff you can do as a teenager besides skating, drinking, and trying to get laid. So to accomplish the last part, I invited my someone and another couple to a place I only know from when I was riding the train. To clarify, it was as a small man made rural forest sea, about two big swimming pools big, with natural water in it. It lies near train tracks, but the train rode only once a day, and there weren't any roads, so you can't easily drive up there. So my plan was to create a romantic atmosphere with my significant other, and so I brought wine. A small cassette player. Yep, I'm old. Some food in a small tent. The extra couple were friends of us, so I thought that might help. Part 1 as I've never been there before, and like I said, there weren't any roads. We had to walk about eight miles along the rail tracks to get there. About halfway, we noticed that there was not a single house farm industry related compound at all, and we did not see cars or other people. That was one thing I've never noticed before when I was riding the train, because why would you... We did not think about any dangers or about cell phone reception since cell phones were a thing only adults had back then. The sky was clear and bright that night when we arrived and we already had some wine in us so we did not bother to set up our tents. Left all our stuff, food, drinks, tents, clothes, behind a tree and went right in the water. We must have been in there for about an hour before we started getting cold, so we all got out simultaneously and went straight for our stuff. But it all was gone. At first we thought we must have made a mistake and put the stuff elsewhere and started looking around, but after half an hour we gave up and were scared as hell. I totally sobered up in minutes and we started getting really cold because although it was summer, we were wet and summers in my country aren't that hot, especially not at night. I decided that we find us a spot where we could overlook all of the area and sit around back to back in a circle and stay there until the sun rises. So we did. It was really cold. We were all half naked and it was quiet and windy and every time something moved, like trees from the wind or a noise was made, we all got a huge scare out of it. We did not talk for hours, and when the sun was high enough so there were no invisible corners or bushes left, we quickly went back, barefoot, half-naked, dehydrated, tired, and still scared. It took us way longer back than last night, because every half mile we had to stop because of exhaustion, or because something felt not right. My house was the closest, so we went straight there, drank, ate, showered, and that was it for a while. Part, uh, two months later to the day, I remember because it was my birthday. I had some friends over for some hanging around and getting drunk. The couple was with us, my significant other, not because she moved away shortly after that. I was fall now, so the days were getting shorter, and when it started to become dark, we lit up a small fire in my parents' backyard and just sat there talking and drinking. 
Suddenly I hear our dog bark, which was odd, because he was always a very quiet fella. So I went to check it out and catched a glimpse of a person at our front door, running away. It was too dark and he. She was too quick, so I could not make out a face or gender. I stood there for a few moments and he opened the door, but nobody was there. When I looked down, I saw a really big bag, so my self-concentrated younger me thought, cool present. I opened up the bag only to find the clothes and the sleeping bag from our adventure two months ago in there, and a freaking note that said, Happy birthday, my name. I was scared to death and still am very anxious because I cannot be a prank because we told nobody we were going to do this trip. There is not a house or anything near that place, and we did not see a single soul for 24 hours. I've never told a couple or my significant other of this because let's be real here. There is no use in scaring them again after what we went through. Over 20 years have passed since then and nothing has ever happened there or to me or my friends. When I was 19, a group of friends and I drove to Vancouver Island for a camping trip with one of our friends' family. The campsite that we went to was on a beautiful crystal clear lake and was on the edge of a forest. And about 50 feet away was a nice little sandy cove. My buddies and I set up some logs so we could sit and talk while we blazed a little bit at about 15 feet away from the tree line. It was late one night and my four friends and I were sitting around smoking, just bullshitting and we heard a twig snap like in the movies. We all kind of froze so I grabbed my flashlight from my backpack and shone it on the trees. At first I didn't see anything but I took two steps to my right and I saw these two glowing yellow eyes just staring back at me. I told my friends what I was seeing and we all just kind of froze. I was freaked out, so I bent down and picked up a big rock, just in case after a couple seconds we got out of there as fast as we could and back to the campsite. That night I slept with my axe real close. The next morning we went out to our spot and saw bear prints in the sand all over where we had been chilling. Seeing those eyes still has to be the creepiest things I've ever seen. My dad used to work at a military fortress. He wasn't serving or anything but his company such that it was, was based there, and as such, they had custodial duties to the base. One occasion I remember him going on about was around New Year one year, and he was working quite late, so it was dark when he left. To be honest, I think it was only around 7 p.m., but the sun sets at like 3.30 p.m. in that part of the world in winter. On the drive home, he realized he'd forgotten his phone, so he turned around to go and get it. He parked up and walked through the glaciers, over the drawbridge and through the arch, which brought him into the main square from where his office was visible on the top floor of the block on the right. He noticed then that the light was still on in one of the end rooms of the office. I recall it was some kind of storeroom. It was odd, he thought, because he'd been the last one out and they had locked up, so his first thought was that he'd locked someone in. When he got up there, though, the lights were all off and nobody was about. He received his phone in quick order and left in a little more than a hurry. There were other happenings, too, which didn't involve my dad. 
On one occasion, his boss came in one morning to complaints from the night cleaner, accusing him of peeking at him from behind doors and hiding, giggling and flicking lights on and off, which was obviously a surprise because he'd been at home all night. The army occupied other floors in the block and other blocks on the camp and often complained about loud parties from the office, which never happened, plus soldiers regularly. Unarmed security for a residential building here. This is extremely tame compared to some of the other stories here. But this is a pretty salient subject, and I have evidence. My site has a rooftop pool, and it's really one of the only major things the management gets anal about when it's supposed to be closed. On a chilly night not too long ago, I was posted up in the rooftop stairwell, staying warm, when I hear a crescendo in fit of laughter that goes to the point where the laugher is gasping and choking. Kind of weird, but not a big deal considering that people throw parties and whatnot all the time, and I could tell it wasn't close enough to be someone horsing around in the pool. Then I just start hearing a bunch of shrieking, and the source of the noise is moving around. At this point, I step out, and I realize it's coming from the rooftop itself locked up and only accessible by non-security by scaling a concrete wall. The noise stops and I try to start zeroing from where exactly on this dark, slippery, cold-ass roof the noises were coming from. Then I see some footprints on the roof that were not there before. Bare footprints with no heel print tiptoeing. Footprints that are dirtier than the surface of the roof itself Nope my way right back inside because it was an hour before clock. Out I'd much rather have something paranormal than a meth head on the roof, running around with no shoes. I had just finished up a long day of studying at the university library and was finally back home, ready to catch some rest. As I was getting into my bed, I heard something strange outside my house. At first, I thought it was just a group of teenagers partying down the street, but the sounds were too bizarre for that. I peered through my window and saw nothing but darkness, but the sounds continued, and they seemed to be getting closer. I grabbed a flashlight and stepped outside to investigate. As I walked down the driveway, I could hear the singing, gibberish talking and laughter more clearly. It was coming from the nearby forest, and it sounded like it was moving further away from me as I approached. I'm a wildlife major, so I know the sounds of the local animals, and this wasn't any of them. It sounded more like some kind of gathering or party, but I couldn't see anything through the thick trees. I walked deeper into the woods, the sounds getting louder and clearer with every step. It was like they were drawing me in. But the closer I got, the further away they seemed to be. It was like some kind of strange game. After what felt like hours of chasing the sounds, I realized that I had no idea where I was. The trees looked different, and the path I had taken seemed to have disappeared. Suddenly the sound stopped, and there was an eerie silence. I tried to turn back towards my house, but I couldn't find my way. I was lost in the dark, with no sense of direction. And then I saw something moving in the distance. It was a figure, a silhouette against the trees. It was dancing, twirling around in circles and laughing in that strange gibberish language. 
I called out, asking for help, but the figure just kept dancing. It was like it didn't even hear me. It was almost as if it was taunting me, playing some kind of game. I stumbled backwards, trying to get away from the strange figure, but I couldn't. It was like I was trapped in some kind of nightmare. Finally, I fell backwards and hit my head on a rock. I must have blacked out because when I woke up, I was back in my bed. I couldn't remember anything after hitting my head. But when I went through the pictures on my phone, I found several of myself sleeping inside my tent, and they were taken on the night of the strange sounds. I still have no idea what happened to me that night, but I know one thing for sure. I won't be venturing into the woods again anytime soon. I remember that night vividly, even though I was asleep in the back seat of the car. My parents had woken me up in the middle of the night, telling me that we were going to drive out to a nearby field to look at the stars. I had protested at first, wanting to stay in bed and sleep, but my parents had insisted, saying that it was a rare opportunity to see the night sky in all its glory. We drove out to the field, and my parents set up some chairs and a blanket while I dozed off in the car. I remember waking up briefly and seeing the vast expanse of the sky above me, filled with more stars than I had ever seen before. I was mesmerized for a few seconds, but quickly fell back asleep, feeling safe and secure in the warmth of the car. It wasn't until the next morning that my parents told me what had happened while I was sleeping. They said that while they were gazing up at the sky, they saw something strange. At first they thought it was a shooting star, but as it got closer, they realized that it was something else entirely. They described it as a bright, glowing object that hovered silently in the sky for a few seconds, then suddenly shot away at incredible speed. They were both stunned and a little frightened by what they had seen, but they didn't want to wake me up and scare me too. But that wasn't the end of the strange occurrences that night. As they were getting ready to leave the field and head back to the house, the car lights suddenly turned on and the doors unlocked themselves. My parents were taken aback by this and hesitated for a few moments before coming over to check on me. To their relief, I was still sound asleep in the back seat, completely unaware of the strange events that had unfolded around me. My parents quickly got into the car and drove back to the house, where they spent the rest of the night discussing what they had seen. It wasn't until years later that I realized just how strange and inexplicable that night had been. Even now, I can't explain what my parents saw or why the car acted so strangely. But I do know one thing for sure. That night, something mysterious and otherworldly happened, and it left a lasting impression on all of us who were there to witness it. I grew up in northern Ontario, and there's a story I remember when me and my cousin were out one night on our grandparents' tobacco farm. He was practicing driving as he had just turned 16 in his parents' pickup truck. Anyways, we were on a dirt road near the woods. It was very bumpy. I was looking at the passenger when, when I felt him slam on the brakes. That's when I saw it. It looked like a deer, but was a bit larger and so skinny that you could see its ribs. It was all white, and you could see through the high beams that its eyes were a glaring red-like when you take a photo of someone with flash. It stood there and just stared at the truck. 
My cousin tried honking his horn, but it didn't move. It just kept staring at us. Eventually, he tried to reverse out of the steep dirt path without making us fall into the gully. I looked through the rearview mirror as we drove away, and it still had its eyes locked on the truck. As we got further away and up that damn hill, I heard a shriek like I've never heard before. I'm not saying it came from the deer, but it was something I can't even explain. Almost like a bull, if that makes any sense. Needless to say, we got the hell out of there, and my cousin almost wrecked his tailgate hitting a pothole in a path. I don't know what it was. I would say an albino deer because it had antlers, but it was just so creepy looking. Like an albino deer with glaring red eyes, looked like it hadn't eaten in weeks and had an almost mangy posture and face. Not really scary, but creepy to me. I still remember that day vividly, even though it's been years since then. That bluebird has been etched into my memory, and I can still see it clearly in my mind's eye. The four of us stood there in the mind's eye. The four of us stood there in the summer sun, staring up at the sky and wondering what kind of bird it could be. We tried to describe it to our parents, but they didn't seem to believe us. They said it was probably just a blue jay or some other kind of bird we weren't familiar with. But we knew better. This was no ordinary bird. Over the next few days, we kept an eye out for the bluebird, but we never saw it again. We even went to our neighbor's house to ask them if they had seen it, but they hadn't. It was like the bird had never existed in the first place. But I knew what I had seen. I could still picture it in my mind, with its iridescent blue and green feathers and its long, majestic tail feather. It was unlike anything I had ever seen before or since. As the years went by, I started to wonder if I had imagined the whole thing. Maybe it was just a figment of my childhood imagination. But then I remembered that my brothers and the neighbor's son had seen it too. We couldn't all have imagined the same thing. I've since moved away from that small town in Louisiana, but I still think about that bluebird from time to time. I've searched online for any information about it, but I've never found anything that matches the description of what I saw. Sometimes I wonder if the bluebird was a sign of something, a symbol of something. I was meant to see or understand, but maybe it was just a rare and beautiful creature that happened to fly over my house one summer day. Either way, it's a memory that I'll always carry with me. Not 100% on the story and running off of very little information, but here it goes. Friend has been seeing, hearing things lately. She lives in an older apartment building, and the other day she thought her dog was sitting in the kennel. Her dog then walked up beside her in the kitchen, so she quickly glanced over and saw a small humanoid black creature crouching in her dog's cage. Best way to describe it without showing it is sitting as a bullfrog would. Leading up to this, she has been seeing things out of her peripherals. Small black figures moving away from her field of vision. This happened quite a few times. The other day, she had a seizure in the middle of a store. Ever since then, the sightings have gotten worse. She was at work the other day and caught a glimpse of the same creature crouching outside her building. She looked away to set something down and turned back to get a better look. 
When she saw it again, it was standing there looking at her. She said it was approximately five, six feet tall, standing. Leaving work, she felt like she was being followed. She looked behind her and saw this creature again, and it was following her. A police officer patrols the parking lot and asked if she was okay because he saw how visibly shaken she was. He never saw anyone following her. A few days later, she went to use a shower. As she was getting out, someone knocked on the door. She does have a roommate, but her roommate knew she was using the shower for a moment. As she approached the door, the wrap sped up until she grabbed the handle to open it and it stopped. She confronted a roommate and she acted like she had no idea what happened. That is the guest of what has been going on. She has had a few other things happen, such as LED string lights ripped down and slung across the opposite side of the room, or her Virgin Mary necklace ripped off while sleeping, broken by the chain, not clasps, and laid out on the bed. It was laid out in a way that looked intentional. Any idea what this could be? Looked at several things, but nothing seems to fit the bill exactly. She said it, it was the same creature every time. She said she couldn't make out too many details about its physical characteristics, but she did say it was black, about human height, humanoid, when it crouched it resembled a human crouching, but when it was standing she had a hard time making out its arms and legs. Any help is appreciated. Fought your information, she has seen a doctor in regards to the seizure, trying to rule out any kind of mental disorder, disease, but would like to see if anything jumps out to y'all. My 11-year-old grandson, who is not known to lie, was at the bus stop waiting to go to school last week. I was on the phone with him, and I heard him gasp, and I asked what was wrong. I assumed a stray or someone's dog, because people don't keep their dogs in check here, unfortunately. He said he saw a tall, dark figure run into the woods. Then his bus came, and he said he had to go. I questioned him when he got home, and he said the figure was abnormally tall, taller than anyone he'd ever seen, very thin and wearing all black. He said it had no face that he could tell that the face was all black, too. I asked him if he was scared, and he said it didn't scare him, but more shocked him, as it wasn't anything he'd ever seen before. I let it go at that and didn't bring it up again for fear of scaring him. Any idea what it could have been? We live in the country, so now I'm a little nervous myself. Edit. Thank you, everyone, for your feedback and sharing your stories. I think Shadow Figure might be the best description so far. Yes, I wish he'd thought fast enough to snap a picture, but he said it moved unusually fast and then disappeared. This happened in the Nature Coast area of Florida. We were hiking a few miles deep into an area called the Wiki-Wachi Preserve. This place used to be a mine before it filled up with water. Now it's open clearings with mounds of dirt hills here and there and thick forest and vegetation surrounding it. We hiked out for about an hour and a half, making it through the clearings and lakes to the opposite side's forest. We walked a short bit into the forest and quickly realized how dark it was getting. We turned around to head back to the car and made it a few yards back into the clearing and lakes. But we both turned around and saw something. I remember first thinking it must be a giraffe because of how tall and lanky it was. 
It stood on two legs and reached the height of the trees at the mouth of the forest. It was walking from left to right, halfway between us and the forest. I remember it leaning forward slightly, bending at where the pelvis would be. I don't recall much detail, whether because it was dusk or so difficult to comprehend. I remember it is just black. We watched it cross the path we had just come down and head toward the right through some tall grass on either side of the trail. It seemed so tall, definitely too tall to be a person. My brother and I looked at each other and ran all the way back to the car without a word. I've always loved hunting and being out in the wilderness. There's something about the solitude and raw beauty of nature that just calls to me. But my last trip to the New Mexico border for deer hunting was different from any other trip I've taken. I had seen numerous drug smugglers and their spotters throughout my days in the wilderness. It was a stark reminder of the dangers that lurk in these remote areas. But it was one particular night that still sends shivers down my spine. I was sitting in my tip-eye, enjoying my dinner and reflecting on the craziness I had seen over the past few days. Suddenly I heard a heavy sniffing pattern outside the teepee. It was as if something was trying to smell my dinner and it was going to town doing it. I froze mid, bite and listened to the sound for a few minutes. Then I decided to growl at whatever was outside. I wasn't sure what it was, but I knew it wasn't a hungry drug smuggler. My mind raced, and I wondered if it could be a mountain lion. But the huffing was too loud, so I figured it was just some javelina, since their tracks were everywhere. Despite my attempts to rationalize the situation, I couldn't shake off the feeling of unease. The fact that I was in a small tippy in the middle of nowhere with something sniffing around outside was a scary thought. I tried to ignore it, but the feeling of being watched lingered on. I love the feeling of being out in the wild, but this experience made me realize the dangers that come with it. The remote wilderness is not only home to beautiful creatures, but also dangerous ones. My mind wandered back to the drug smugglers, and I realized that I didn't want any kind of encounter with people in these remote areas either. As I sat there, my mind racing with thoughts, I couldn't help but feel a sense of relief when the sniffing finally stopped. But the experience had left its mark on me, and I couldn't shake off the feeling of being hunted. I knew I needed to be more cautious and alert when I ventured out into the wilderness, and I made a mental note to always be prepared for anything that could happen. Quite a few years ago, I drove a taxi to have some kind of income. One night after the pubs had closed, I had delivered a dude far out on the countryside and was on my way back towards the city again when I came to an area mostly covered by acres for farming where there are no street lights at all. So my car's headlights were the only light source while following a somewhat twisty road. Then I came to a short downhill section that turned into a left turn where the road straightens out after the turn. I had driven this stretch of road many times before, but when I was driving downhill and turned into the left, my headlights lit up four persons out on the field dressed in white, hooded robes with a lot of dangling things on them. They all turned their attention towards me and their eyes all lit up in a bright yellowish color. 
This freaked me the F out, so I stepped on the pedal and just noped the fifth out to there. I have no idea what that actually was. To me, it seemed like some cult stuff, but that does not explain their glowing yellow eyes. Nobody I have asked about it later on have never seen anything like it, and there isn't supposed to be any kind of cult in town at all. Not sure if it's a thing out on the Norwegian countryside, though. So I like to go to cemeteries and walk around while doing so. I always record with my iPhone and my digital voice recorder. I find it interesting to see the different styles and types of headstones, as well as the ages of the deceased, and at times when I review my recordings, I get EVPs. This time was no different than any others. This cemetery is from the early 1800s in sites on the top of a hill. One site is overlooking a man-made lake, so there's plenty of water to help add to the energy if you believe that it does or can. So last night I start to review my audio recording. It didn't take long before the first eep showed up, a faint but clear whisper of help, then a male voice. Then, as I'm narrating about where the cemetery is located, and that when it was started there was no lake there yet, just a valley, another faint ep that says, look followed a few seconds later by a male voice saying, don't look both of these are in different tones. I didn't say out loud, here's a Civil War veteran. He lived until 1933. He was in the Army. I say that I was in the Army, too. Thank you for your service. And as I walk on, I get comeback soldier, which made the hair stand up on me. Now the sound of a small plane flying overhead is heard, and I get this if in a male voice that says plane. Now I know that I have a definite intelligent spirit with me. Then I come to this smaller headstone of a nine-year-old girl. I will call Clarissa. On the top above her name was the picture of a stork flying and carrying a baby. I found it very sad, the pain that these parents must have went through. I'm a father of six, all grown now, but that has always been my worst fear to lose a child. But as I am describing her headstone in an age, I say hello to her. Then, in a female tone, I get this up. Leave here, and a split second later, another one in a male voice. Dickhead, maybe the mother and the father? Then I come to another Civil War veteran. I will call Benjamin Suttles, who served with Company D. 4th Ohio Cavalry. As soon as I said his name, there was a male voice that clearly says it was the war. Then, over the course of the next three minutes, 25 seconds, I hear my name. Clinton said in the same voice four times, with a forceful whisper of listen thrown, and one time in the same male tone of voice. At the end, I get out of the car to open the gate to leave, and as I'm opening the gate, it's inside the car, still recording. And I get what sounds like a couple of hideous-sounding growls. Now, before someone says, well, you're near a lake, so it's probably voices of people out in boats and such, that is not the case. The temperature when I was there was mid-40s with a stiff breeze and a wind chill and lower 40s to upper 30s. There were no boats out on the lake, and there is nowhere close to there to fish from the bank and no parking areas near me. One side of the cemetery is the lake. The rest is all wooded, except for the narrow one-lane road. 
which is not used much until summer, and the sun had already set and was almost complete darkness. As I said, I use my iPhone for my video, and I use my old Sony Ike's voice recorder. It's old as dirt, basically, but it is very sensitive and reliable. Only downfall is that there is no card to save it onto, so I log everything on paper when I review it. I go to a large number of cemeteries to do this. I don't do what everyone calls F sessions. I just record as I walk around and talk or ask questions. An incident at a cemetery very close to my home in 2019 got me to doing this. I have gotten some things that sound absolutely horrific and are. Demonic pleas for help and even threats of bodily harm. I have been called by my childhood nickname numerous times, and they even told me of my father's upcoming death. It wasn't 100% accurate, but it was so close that I can't ignore it. I'm still somewhat skeptical, but that is slowly wearing off. This stuff is out there, and it is very real, too real sometimes. The crisp autumn air filled our lungs as my two friends, and I ventured deep into the secluded beauty of the Grand Teton National Forest. Our mission was clear, to hunt pheasants and enjoy the thrill of the chase amidst the breathtaking landscape. Little did we know that our journey would soon take an inexplicable turn into the realm of the unknown. As we reached the clearing, we decided to split up to cover more ground. I set off alone, eager to spot some elusive pheasants. However, as I walked, a foul odor wafted through the air, making me wince. Intrigued, I followed the scent, my curiosity getting the better of me. As I ventured further, the forest seemed to grow eerier, shrouding everything in almost mystical haze. And then I saw them, two peculiar figures standing amidst the trees. They were short not more than 130 cam tall, and their eyes locked onto me with an intensity that sent shivers down my spine. Their appearances were unlike anything I had ever seen before. Their faces bore a grayish-green, almost sickly, pale complexion. The eyes were large and dark, devoid of any pupils, which gave them an otherworldly quality. Thick-skinned folds covered their heads and bodies, adding to their bizarre countenance. One of them even had what appeared to be a thin beard, adding to the impression that they were elderly beings. As I stood there trying to make sense of what I was witnessing, a second humanoid emerged from the shadows. This one was shorter and looked younger, but both shared a striking resemblance to aged gnomes. I could hardly believe my eyes and my mind struggled to process the sight before me. The creatures seemed to acknowledge my presence and an unspoken understanding passed between us. There was no hostility in their gaze, but an aura of enigma surrounded them. Before I could react further, both figures floated back from the ground, as if defying the laws of nature, and disappeared into the forest. I was left standing there, heart pounding, mind reeling with questions and uncertainty. Did I just witness something supernatural? Were these beings from another dimension, or perhaps guardians of the forest itself? My rational mind tried to come up with logical explanations, but none could explain what I'd seen. Determined to validate my experience, I raised my rifle and took aim at the vanishing figures. 
It was a reflex more than a conscious decision, a futile attempt to grasp some sense of control over the inexplicable. I pulled the trigger and the bullets tore through the air, passing right through the apparitions as if they were mere illusions. The creatures remained unaffected, and they simply vanished deeper into the forest, leaving me in a state of bewildered awe. When my friends finally returned, eager to hear about my hunting success, I hesitated before sharing my encounter. I knew they would mock me, dismissing my story as a wild imagination fueled by some substance. And indeed, when I mustered the courage to tell them, they chuckled and shook their heads. Must have been some potent herbs out here, huh? One of them quipped. They didn't believe me, but that was okay. I couldn't blame them. I might not have believed myself if I hadn't experienced it firsthand. As we continued our hunting expedition, I couldn't shake off the feeling that something greater than us lurked in the depths of the Grand Teton National Forest. Those enigmatic beings, resembling aged gnomes, had left an indelible mark on my soul. Whether I had stumbled upon some ancient secret or encountered visitors from another realm, I may never know. One thing was certain, though. The forest held mysteries that transcended human understanding, and they were waiting to be unraveled by those with an open mind and a brave heart. So me, if I would rather not say my age, an M female also would not like to share their age, were going on a walk with her dog, Henry. We weren't going far, only down a little trail in her backyard. On our way over to the trail, she informed me that a few people had been chased away from the trail and that last time she went down the trail with her brother, L.L., they found an active still-going campfire and didn't know who it belonged to. She also informed me that if Henry started barking, we needed to run as fast as we could back no matter what, and also that if we saw anything that could be related to a human being there, we need to run to her grandma's house or back to her house. Also, while I'm writing this, she's telling me that there has been D-dealers and other potentially dangerous people in those woods who ran into her yard and got arrested. I don't even know why we went, but we did. As we were walking down the trail, Henry was sniffing more than usual. We didn't think of it because the breed of dog he is, we a mariner, was bred for hunting and sniff a lot, so we kept going. About halfway through the trail, I told her I heard knocking, but she said it was Henry sniffing. I pressed on and said it was definitely knocking, and she didn't believe me. We continued on, even though I really didn't want to. I never told her because I was stupid and we were approaching her grandma's house, which was where we were going the whole time. As soon as we stepped off the trail, and I thought we were safe. Beep, beep. My heart sank, and she ran. I followed, but I'm the least athletic person on planet Earth, so I couldn't keep up. She ran and hid, and I followed. She said, I've heard that noise before, deep, deep in the woods. I don't know what it is. I was freaking out on the inside, but was silent on the outside. I really didn't know what to do. M said on the count of three, we run. I nodded. One, two, three, and we ran. I was so tired it wasn't even funny, and then she said, take Henry's leash. He'll protect you. I'm, I'm faster than you. And remember, keep running until we are at my house. So I took the leash and ran. When we got to her house, we kind of calmed down, and then I wrote this. 
This all happened today. Edit. We also saw a white figure on the way back to her house.